You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you a little bit about our current sponsors, uh, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. As you well know, if you've been following This is Oklahoma, they've been a huge part of this podcast. So this podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling an Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at Oklahoma HOF. Also sponsoring the podcast, RCB Bank. The home market is booming and RCB Bank is here for you. If you're in the market to buy a home, a mortgage pre-qualification will make the process much easier. Talk to one of our mortgage professionals today. RCB Bank, that's my bank. With approved credit, terms and restrictions apply, member FDIC, equal housing lender, RCB Bank, NMLS 798151. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode up in Tulsa today at the Mayo Hotel with John Snyder to talk about history, talk about how amazing this place is. I uh, really appreciate you having me. I'm excited to stay here and check it out because there obviously is a lot of stuff that goes on here, a lot of stuff that, you know, history that's happened here. And, and I know we're not going to get to all of it today. Uh, but John, thanks for taking time out of your day, um, especially on a weekend to, to kind of sit and, and tell some stories. Before we dive into the hotel stuff, though, tell us a little bit about you. What's kind of your Oklahoma story? Well, I uh, moved up here in Oklahoma from Houston about 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. I was with Manhattan Construction Company, and they sent me up here to take over the Oklahoma operation, and I ended up, uh, fell in love with Oklahoma, raised my three daughters here, I have ten grandkids, actually nine and a half, Uh, (laughs) and we all live about a mile and a half apart, you know, in Tulsa, so, you know, everybody's real tight-knit family, and we see each other every day, pretty much, but uh, this is the best-kept secret in America, Mm -hmm. you know, I tell people all the time, you know, we don't have the mountains, and we don't have the ocean. But what we have, you don't have to wait in line for. And, Very true. And the lakes, I mean, they're unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's, uh, and there's more and more people coming here. I mean, I have a story. So I kind of engage with every new person that I meet, you know, because mm-hmm. I can kind of tell if they're from here and they're not. So there was an AT&T repairman uh, working on my house that I just sold mm-hmm. to my youngest daughter and her husband. And uh, he was a little, you know, a little shy. And so I said... Uh, I said, hey, man, he had a dip in his mouth. I said, what are you dipping? He goes, he goes uh, Copenhagen Long Cut. I said, nah, no kidding, man, good. And I said, where are you from? He said, Sacramento, California. And I go, how'd you end up in Tulsa? He said, I'm leaving California like everybody else is, you know? Yeah. And he goes, I'm renting a house twice as big. He had, I think he's got four kids, five mm-hmm. kids, and twice as big for half of the money. Yeah. And uh, he gets to see his kids every day. He goes to their sports and that kind of stuff. And, I mean, that's what, you yeah. know, Tulsa's that way, Oklahoma City, Stillwater. I mean, it, it, it's, uh, it's, it's all about family here. I mean, it's, yeah. and it's getting better. I mean, I, I met another lady. Uh, my dog got out the other day, and he's got his, my phone number. That's how I meet a lot of people. Damn dog gets out all the time. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, so, lady about, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm about almost 64 She's about my age, and, and uh, so I was talking to her, and she just bought a house, and her daughter just bought a house. And I said, where are y'all from? And she goes, San Francisco. I said, wow. I said, how'd you end up in Tulsa? You know, kind of like I always yeah. do. And she said, we, we hired my family as a big business, a winery and all this kind of stuff, and we hired a relocation expert, and they told us we should move to Tulsa. Wow. And I was like, dang, I oh, couldn't dear. believe it. Yeah. But, yeah. So it's happening. It's happening. You know, slow, but you yeah. know, it's, uh, it's slow everywhere in the country. I mean, things are, you know how it is. You know, yeah. it's, and, and I don't think it's going to get much better anytime soon. But, right. but you know, we're kind of in this little ecosphere here where you know, people are really friendly. There's not a lot of traffic. Things are a little slower. And there's a, you know, there's a lot to do here. There is you a know? lot and, to do. And I talk to people um, that are from Oklahoma, and I ask them, you ever been to Pahuska? No, I've never been to Pahuska. And I go, how long have you lived here? My whole life. I said, man, you need to get up to Pahuska. Yeah. They're filming the movie, The Killers of the Flower Moon. You know? 
yeah. Robert De Niro, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio. I mean, they're all here in Tulsa hanging out, and they're up there, and, and, and you know, they're, and they're, they have dirt on the streets and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pushing Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, pushing Grand Lake real big right now. I mean, uh, Shangri-La is, is so far over the top. I mean, the new activity center they just built there, mm-hmm. open to the public, pickleball, tennis, state-of-the-art, you know, games yeah. for kids and stuff like that. It is like you you drive in there and you you look at it, it's just like this panoramic view of the golf course and everything and the lake and you're like, man, this is Oklahoma. You right. know, it's like it's like Disney World. Yeah. And then you know the the uh, gathering place too. I mean that's that's like free Disney World mm. to everybody. I mean that. Yeah. And you know they got the new dam coming and the whitewater rafting thing. So you know there's a lot of good stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So back to Houston, growing up, what gets you into construction growing up? So I, I started out, um, grew up in San Antonio, and then my dad uh, was the, uh, became the operations director at the National War College in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. And so we moved from San Antonio to D.C., and that was, that was, that was rough. Man. Yeah. How old were you when you moved? I was in middle school. Okay. Yeah, they took my cowboy boots my first day in you know, I went to school. Right. I came home on the bus with no shoes on. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it was tough. And But I got out of there as quick as I could. But but I started racing motorcycles, motocross, okay. at Bud's Creek in, in, in southern Maryland. And then I ended up racing motorcycles all over the country as a little kid. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so anyway, so I was about to turn pro. And it was kind of one of those things, you know, I never got hurt. You know, I won a lot. I got a lot of seconds. I got a lot of thirds. But... You know, I just didn't want to get hurt. And, right. uh, and you know, it was kind of getting to the point where, you know, the motorcycle crowd was not kind of, you know, my crowd at the time. And so I went, I got home from a party one night and saw the stuff that was going down at the party. And I was like, man, this this is not me. So right. I woke my mother up and, uh, and I said, hey, I'm going to Texas A&M tomorrow morning. So I loaded up my van. I had my name on the side of my van and full of motorcycles, hair down you know, yeah, my back yeah, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And went to Texas A&M, like the most conservative college in, you know, in America. Right. For sure. And uh, my two brothers were going to school there. So I went to Texas A&M and um, got in the building construction program, mm-hmm. building construction, civil engineering. And uh, I was there four years. And uh, I started roofing houses, building houses, going to school. Mm-hmm. Met my wife, Tori. She's from Laredo. And uh, she had graduated a year before I did. And so we got married a couple months after we got married. Boom. She wasn't supposed to have kids. And all of a yeah, sudden, here it is. Yeah. got kids coming. So I, wasn't, I hadn't graduated yet. So, you know, I was forced. I had no insurance, anything like that. And, you know, I had a framing crew. And, you know, the money was kind of like, you know, hit or miss, you know. Yeah. And so... Well, you were still going to school at this time, too, right? Yeah, I was still in college, yeah, yeah A&M. And so I took a job in Manhattan in Houston. And in Houston, I mean, there were tower cranes everywhere. I mean, yeah. there was so much construction going on. And so I was just thrown into the big-time, multi-story, mm-hmm. 30, 40-story buildings um, working for Manhattan. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I started at the very bottom as a field engineer and, you know, learned, learned to do, you know, form work and... Mm-hmm. operate cranes and and so you know I, I knew how to do it all and then I came up to Oklahoma I learned to estimate you know yeah. and I had all these guys working for me and we I came to Oklahoma and there was we had like maybe one job in Tulsa in Oklahoma City and then when I left Manhattan you know we were pretty much uh, our biggest competitor was Flintco mm-hmm. who's a hundred year old company just like Manhattan was but uh, we pretty much had 50-50 yeah. You know, we had a lot of Indian casinos, um, lots of health care, lots of, like we did the BOK Center, I joined mm-hmm. venture with Flinko on that. And, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, it was yeah, it's pretty good. But my family business just got so big, and mainly it started with this hotel. And I can kind of yeah. tell you that story if you want to hear it. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. So I came so, to... So before you get into family businesses, hotels then? Our family business, we buy uh, old buildings okay and uh historic buildings that we can get tax credits on okay and uh you know the more torn up and worthless the building is the Mm -hmm. better it is you don't want like i call it like a tweener building where you don't want a building that was you know like built in the 60s or 70s it has like 1980 stuff that's 
Mm -hmm. It's not energy efficient. It's not real reliable, but it's not ready to tear out. You want something that you can tear completely out. Yeah. And so that's what we do. And we have uh, properties in Tulsa, Pahuska. We have mm -hmm. a 20-room boutique hotel in Pahuska, right, right next to where they're filming the movie. Yeah. And then we have properties in Lubbock, Texas. So yeah. when you went into construction at a young age then, uh, after college, or the, you'd already kind of been generally around it with family and you kind of knew something about it already. It wasn't like you were jumping into a job that like you'd never seen or never heard about before. Right. Okay. So I, I just told my son-in-law today, he's mm -hmm. in the heating and air and plumbing business and yeah. uh, he's doing really well. And his name is Justin. I said, you know, Justin, when you uh, know how to do this stuff, that's power. Yeah. And I mean, I knew, I knew what the cost was. I knew how to do it more efficiently. Yeah. I knew how to buy the materials, where to buy the materials, uh, mm -hmm. and when to buy the material. And uh, yeah, so you can, you know, most people are paying right. 150 bucks a foot, 200 bucks a foot. You know, we're doing our stuff for $100 a foot to mm -hmm. $80 a foot. Not lately, though. Not lately. Because, <laughs> right. I mean, what's happened with the material prices, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, an eight foot two before number two grade is $8.64 plus tax at Home Depot. And, you know, hell, in like November, it was like 350. Yeah. You know, maybe, you know, so it's, and then a sheet of three, sheet of three quarter inch plywood is 75 bucks. It used to be like 26 bucks. Yeah. So I don't really know where we're heading, you know, with the material prices. Right. Uh, I just wish I had a, about, you know, 10 truckloads full of three quarter inch plywood yeah. in my warehouse. But uh, yeah, so we kind of hit the pause button on our development stuff with COVID and, and uh, you know, we were about ready to start getting going again. We have uh, 10 acres over here uh, in the interdispersal loop okay. that uh, half of it's historic tax credit stuff. And, and we were building an apartment building called Mako Lofts, Mako after German motocross bike. Mm -hmm. And then uh, my motorcycle museum's over there. So I kind of have this whole, it's called Mayo Scene, Place. Yeah. And uh, so it's, uh, it's called Live, Work, and Ride kind of thing. And, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, we just kind of see how things go. Mm -hmm. You know, don't want to overpay yeah. you know, for material and things like that. But, and in no um, rush, too. And there's a lot of developers like me that are, you know, kind of on the sidelines, mm -hmm. just kind of waiting. Yeah. But I finished up all my projects. I had my one little make a loss. Maybe I was probably 20% mm -hmm. started on it. I didn't, didn't have my loan yet and all that kind of stuff, so yeah. the clock wasn't ticking. So it was easy to, you know, shut, the, shut, shut that down. Yeah, so so then you're up here, and the, the ho this hotel comes on the on the market. Like, uh, how, tell tell me. Okay, sorry, so, before I intro, before I, you so know. when I when I moved up here, I was a girls' soccer coach in Houston. I have three daughters, and uh, Macy, Kellner, and Shelby, and I was a girls' soccer coach, and uh, uh, we you know played soccer all over Texas and Louisiana and mm -hmm. Oklahoma a little bit. Played so and softball also, girls' softball. And so I came up here and, uh, you know, Tulsa's easy, you know, you can, you know, like, like if you're living in Houston, you know, it takes you like, you know, depending on where you're working at, you know, it takes you maybe an hour and a half. Sometimes I was working in Galveston, it'd take me an hour to get there yeah. and an hour and a half to get back. And so, you know, but in Oklahoma and Tulsa, you know, you can get, you know, get off at five and you can be at your kid's soccer game at 530 or six o'clock. Mm -hmm. And so, so I was coaching a girls soccer team and, and I had a, a a girl on my team, and uh, her last name was Robson, and her her dad is from Claremore, and her dad's father loaned Sam Walton the money to start Walmart with, mm. the Robson family. And uh, and so uh, one day we were driving from uh, Claremore back. I was taking her home after a soccer game, and and she points. We're driving just right on the IDL, and she points at this sign. She goes, "My dad owns that building." And uh, it said Mayo on it. I've never right. didn't know what Mayo was. Yeah. But, <clears throat> so I was at a game, uh, soccer game, one time with Bruce, and and uh, and Bruce said, uh, I said, Hey, Bruce, uh, you own a building downtown? He goes, Yeah, man. He goes, I'm embarrassed to own that building. And uh, he said, I, I hate that building. He goes, Everybody laughs at me, and you know he's trying to develop it, and yeah. you know, it's kind of hard if you're, you know, you really don't have a lot of experience doing sure. construction and development. And, and he didn't have it. And so, so anyway, so I kind of helped him and I'd come over and, you know, run the homeless guys out of here mm -hmm. and kind of, you know, just sort of take care of it. I thought the building was cool. Mm -hmm. Big building, 300,000 square feet. 
And uh, so we had a, a bond issue that came out when Susan Savage was, uh, was mayor and, uh, and kind of like the Vision 2025 package that, that got passed in 2003. Mm -hmm. But this was in uh, 2001. And so it was around April. And, uh, and so we were, you know, they were going to change everything and they were going to, you know, put these incentive packages out to developers. And mm -hmm. so Bruce was hoping to get a little bit of money on that. And, and so, uh, you know, they were going to build an auditorium and all kinds of things that didn't make any sense. And right. so it didn't pass. And, uh, so we went to like a watch party at the Tulsa, at the, uh, at the Tulsa club up here. And, uh, and so didn't pass and he's just like, you know, screw this place, you know, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm moving to Florida, you know, I don't want to go to another party and have people laugh at me anymore. And so and I'm talking to him and so we walk over to the elevator and I push the button to go down and he goes, uh, you got a dollar? And I kind of looked at him and he goes, yeah, you got a dollar? I said, yeah, I got a dollar. He said, you just got bought the Mayo Hotel for a dollar. <laughs> And I said, Bruce, you're drunk, man. <laughs> he goes, I'm not drunk. Yeah. I'm bringing you the damn keys tomorrow morning. Yeah. I said, yeah, okay, whatever, man. You know. I said, do you need me to drive for you? He goes, no, man, I'm not drunk. Yeah. So 8 o'clock, you know, I'm over here at 5th and Boulder. I used to office in this uh, 111 building right next door. And he calls me and goes, I'm bringing the keys over. Yeah. I said, are you serious? He goes, yeah. He goes, you bought it. And I said, well, can I have that parking lot to the north of it? <laughs> and he goes, you got to buy that. Yeah. And, uh, and I said, well, how much? He goes, $250,000. I said, okay. And I said, uh, hey, you know, I work for somebody else. You know, I don't have a you know, right. hell of a lot of money. And I said, uh, is there any way we can close at the end of the year? And this is April. He said, yeah, no problem. But he goes, you need to take it right now. Yeah. So as of this morning, you, that's yours and you, you handle it. I don't want to hear anything else. So I had the keys and... Had the building and yeah. and so yeah we I mean really I mean in, but Tulsa was you wouldn't even you wouldn't even walk around here at night right. I mean it was really dangerous and nothing going on you know uh -huh. just people would come here to go to work during the the day and then they were gone you know five right. o'clock the place just kind of rolled up you know uh, but it's it uh, it's different now you know we were really and truly you know we were pretty much the first it was. Uh, it was my wife and I and my family with the Mayo. Mm -hmm. It was Michael Sager at the Blue Dome. And then Elliot Nelson yeah. uh, just graduated from uh, Notre Dame. And uh, he, was, uh, he actually was leasing that building that McNelly's is in. And, and I mean, Elliot, I mean, I'd had meetings with Michael Sager and Elliot. Elliot would be covered in mud. He would be down in ditches digging and stuff. So, I mean, he really yeah. worked hard to get where he is. And uh, I have a lot of respect for him. And so it was really just us, you mm -hmm. know, and nobody else was throwing down their own money. The city, right. you know, wasn't, wasn't really doing anything. And so... What year was this? That was uh, 2001, 2002. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so uh, I came up with a plan to park cars in the basement. Mm -hmm. And so I cut a couple ramps in there and made some other ramps and so we could generate some money. And then uh, my daughter Macy graduated from uh, OU, and then uh, we went ahead and added bathrooms on the first floor, and then we just set up that whole lobby area in this mezzanine for events, and then we would just rent it, yeah. you know, a couple thousand bucks for an event, and then they bring their own, you know, food, their own mm -hmm. caterers and stuff like that. We would rent tables and chairs, and so we were able to eke out. You yeah. know, a little bit just to pay the bills and things like that. And but and Macy, you know, I mean, she she ran the whole thing. Mm -hmm. She still runs everything. Yeah. She runs uh, the Mayo, the Aloft Hotel. We own the Aloft Hotel with with uh, three partners, and mm -hmm. then we own the uh, uh, Frontier Hotel in Pahuska. Okay. Uh, with Del Forrest and Bob Jack. Yeah. And so she runs all that. But and then in uh, 2003, they had. Uh, we had a Vision 2025 under Bill of Fortune and Bob Dick, our county mm -hmm. commissioner. And, and it was, uh, I mean, I went out and stumped with them and went to manufacturing plants and American Airlines and, you know, pushing the deal. I mean, it was, it was the only, it, it, it's what saved Tulsa. Yeah. And, and we're, you know, reaping the benefits of it right now. But it was, uh, you know, it gave a little bit to everybody. Oh, you got some money. OSU got some money. Uh, NSU got yeah. some money. And then uh, they put out, I think it was 
$15 million of seed money to developers to build sure. apartments. And so uh, we competed for that and we got $4.8 million. Mm-hmm. It was a zero interest loan uh, for 10 years that we paid back in 10 yeah. years. And, and that's kind of what kind of jump-started it. So without the help of the city of Tulsa, we couldn't, we really yeah. couldn't have done it. And yeah. so, you know, we owe a lot of uh, gratitude to the citizens of Tulsa and Build a Fortune and people like that. We paid our money back. And, and then we have other apartment buildings that we also competed and got money, like on the, the YMC, the old YMCA. It's uh-huh. an 82-unit apartment building. It's called Y Lofts, Detroit Lofts over here by the yeah. ballpark, which we did and we sold. And then the Vandiver building was 40 units over here mm-hmm. at 5th and Main. And uh, we sold that. Yeah. And, so it's uh, it's been good. So it's been good for not just us, but for a lot of well, people. Well, yeah, yeah, you're right. Collectively, it seems you know really, oh, yeah. really kind of changed in the last twenty years, changed the city. Um, so, so you get the keys to this place. Do, what do you know about the building when you get the keys, other than it's historic and? So yeah. I, I walk in and uh, that beautiful uh, grand hall that you see, that big two-story atrium deal mm-hmm. with the stained glass was wide open and there was a bonfire there <laughs> and there was probably 30 or 40 homeless people in here yeah and so instead of walking around with a gun and intimidating everybody i just walked around with cigarettes and yeah. would give them a pack of marlboros and ask them to leave and you know they'd, they'd leave and i finally got them out and then i barricaded up all the windows welded rebar where the windows were yeah you know um busted open but we had problems where the terracotta was falling off the building. I mean, it was a big liability. I mean, yeah. most people would not have, uh, even for nothing, you know, it was, just, it was just too much to handle. Yeah. You know, and it's a 22-story building. You know, it's kind of like eating an elephant, man. It's, uh, right. You know, even, you know, I don't get overwhelmed that, that easily. Uh, but, you know, 10, 15 years ago, yeah, I damn sure didn't. But mm. it was overwhelming. Um, yeah. But... We, uh, you know, I, I actually, what happened was I was uh, going to do a condo job at uh, Shangri-La, but mm-hmm. before Eddie Gibbs bought Shangri-La with a guy named Pete Boylan. And I met a guy named Drake Letty from San Antonio, who was a developer that I did some stuff with in Dallas. And, uh, and Drake uh, was in the middle of doing the President Hotel, which is a lot like, mm-hmm. in Kansas City, which is a lot like the Mayo. So I'm in a meeting in San Antonio in his office, and I look, I look over on the wall, I go, damn, that looks like my hotel. He goes, what do you mean? I said, I got a hotel just like that. He said, really? I said, yeah, the Mayo. So we kind of started talking and, you know, it was eligible for tax credits. And, mm-hmm. and so we brought Drake in as a partner. And so my wife and I partnered up with Drake 50-50 on everything. We just split the baby and, mm-hmm. and it, it worked out great, you know. And uh, we borrowed money with IBC Bank, El Laredo, who has been our bank going on 20 plus years now. They've done all of our development stuff, yeah. and uh, so yeah, with with, the, with that, and uh, we sold our federal tax credits to Chevron through through Drake, mm-hmm. you know, Drake and his his guys, and used a, a big time uh, tax credit lawyer named Mike Markinson out mm-hmm. of uh, St. Louis, who's still a good buddy of mine, and and uh, and they put the whole thing together, and we sold uh, the state tax credits to uh, Chevron. And then we sold we sold the federal tax credit to Chevron, and the state tax credits we sold to basically a syndicate of insurance companies and stuff sure. like that. It's a transferable credit. Yeah. And so when you put all those pieces together, you know we borrowed twenty three and a half million. We had four point eight. We had you know eight from Chevron. We had seven something from the state credits. You put it all together, and yeah. it's it's like forty two million dollars. So that's that's how not quite forty two, but. Around close. That. Yeah. So, so that's, that's what it costs to, you know, to do it all. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's not easy, you know, I mean, well, well, we true. opened, yeah. uh, we opened September of 2009 to Britney Spears, uh, 60 rooms, you know, we weren't completely done, right? but we had, we have, uh, 76 apartments here, 102 hotel rooms, rooftop bar, big, beautiful, um, ballroom for weddings and things mm-hmm. like that. And then, uh, a restaurant which we haven't reopened yet and a really really nice coffee shop starbucks so we probably serve coffee shop yeah and uh so anyway it was it was a little difficult you know it's like and, and i've seen it before you know because i i you know I, I was in a with manhattan construction for 30 years you know and and we would build these big huge 
buildings for people, you know, and mm -hmm. and uh, we did all the world com work with Bernie Ebers, and you know, it's, it's just kind of this, uh, it's just love fest, you know, and you know, building the building and the colors and how it's going to look and changing this and you know all the interior yeah. designers and the architects and all that stuff, but then when you open, it's like everybody's gone, they're paid, and you got to start making money. Right. That's the hard part, and so it. Uh, my partner out of San Antonio, who I love to death, Drake, he's a great guy, uh, but they just, uh, they ran the hotel and we just couldn't, it just wasn't making money. I mean, my mm -hmm. wife and I were having to reach into our, our pockets and, and bail it out. And they, yeah. they had, you know, they had 120 people wandering around this hotel and it just was, you know, I was like pulling my hair out. And so in uh, March of 2011, we just said, hey, we're, uh, you're fired. You know, mm -hmm. and so, so Drake stayed on board, and then Macy and I, my wife was an attorney here in, in, in Tulsa, and she had to quit her law practice, mm -hmm. and then and she came over here every day with Macy, and uh, and we pulled it out. Yeah, know? I mean, and th Macy had a two hundred thousand dollar two day New Year's Eve wedding in twenty eleven that just you know saved us. So, wow. Yeah, and uh, we haven't turned back yet. So you know, yeah. without her. I mean, the place doesn't really... Yeah, operate. not her wedding. It was someone she got in to, right? What's that? For people listening, it wasn't her wedding that was that day. It no, was no, it wasn't her wedding. She had gone out and got that no, wedding hell, to I come couldn't in. afford to pay No, I know. That's I'm just like clearing up for people listening. Yeah, you know, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, But course. I mean, all three of my daughters have been married here. But yeah, yeah. yeah and, and I mean, it was uh, it was unbelievable. You know, I mean, it was a two-day deal. They took the whole hotel. And Amazing. They had cigar rollers from Cuba here and yeah. all kinds of, you know, big-time... Uh, DJs from Los Angeles and I mean it yeah. was unbelievable I mean and and so yeah I mean that that kind of got us out of that but mm -hmm. but my daughter Macy has turned this into the it's the number one wedding venue in really in Tulsa mm -hmm. and we have a a lot of people from California and New York and you know places like that that you know their son or their daughter you know ends up marrying yeah. somebody from Tulsa and you know they you know even even some guys from California and New York, instead of getting married there, they get married, you yeah. know, here, you know, or, or, or you know, it just, uh, so it's, it's, it's pretty cool. And we used to have uh, every Friday and Saturday for several years, mm -hmm. we would have over a thousand people in this building. So you take, you know, the people staying in the hotel rooms, the yeah. people having parties in their apartments, and then uh, yeah. people in the, the restaurant, the coffee shop, and then the penthouse bar. Yeah, and uh, you know it's a it's a pretty uh, pretty adult place. You know, there's a you know a thousand people. I'd say probably maybe nine hundred and ninety. You know, have a drink in their hand. So yeah. you know, it gets a uh, you know, it's kind of like just you know, its own. It's it's got its own. You got to sort of corral it. You know, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You, know, you don't want to like you know mandate how things work. But you just kind of guide it. You know, and then get them all done and get them out of here or in their yeah. hotel rooms and right. that kind of thing. But yeah, it was uh, it was rocking and rolling. Yeah, until the war happened, you know. Right. And then it, uh, like everybody else, but we held on to it, you know, yeah. and uh, you know we cut back, and so yeah, but things are coming back, mm -hmm. you know. But we would have, sometimes we would have uh, one time we had three five hundred person sit down dinners here in wow. one night. Three. Yeah. We flip flip rooms, and I mean there was that much demand. Mm -hmm. uh, but we would have, uh, you know, at least a wedding every Friday and Saturday, every weekend of the year, you know, yeah. even in the, the bad months like January, February and right. August. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's starting to come back. Yeah. There's so many lessons in everything you, you just said in the last kind of 25 minutes we've been talking about just, you know, I mean, just taking on challenges, like working at it, you know, like your wife coming in and getting involved, Macy's getting involved. Like there's, I mean, there's a reason, right, that you clearly love what you do and you, you know, you keep doing what you do. And there's like, giving up is not a word that is in your dictionary at all, is it? You know, like it, there's always ways to work at things and, and it. Yeah, what I do is, uh, you know, I might like give up, you know, when things kind of go bad one day, mm -hmm. you know. But my mother always told me, just go home, go to sleep, and wake up early, and, and it'll be a whole new day. And yeah. that's really how you, you deal with it, you know what I mean? Because not every day it's good. Um, but, you know, you just, it's funny. I mean, you just kind of put your head down, you know, and, uh, you know, things get better, mm. you know. Um, but I got a lot of support, you know, a lot of family support. Um, 
But I couldn't do this if I wasn't in Oklahoma. You know, right. I'm not I'm not smart enough or well capitalized enough to yeah. you know operate in like Houston or Dallas or New York or Los Angeles. But but in Oklahoma, you know, I'm able to. You know, we know mm-hmm. a lot of people here, a lot of vendors, a lot of subcontractors, and yeah. you know, a lot of people with this city and inspectors and fire marshals and mm-hmm. you know, real we're really big with the Tulsa Police Department. And so, and that's helpful. You know, we we do a lot of things for them, and they do a lot of stuff for us. Yeah. Um, but but in in the big cities, there's there's no way. Mm-hmm. But it's what if I I tell everybody, if if I was still in Houston, I'd still be in downtown Houston backing up concrete trucks. Yeah. You know. But Oklahoma changed everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, same for me. Like it, the, in general, the states has so much opportunity. But when you come to Oklahoma. I mean, you can do anything, right? You, you know, can you, do anything. You work hard at it, yeah. and you will make a business out of it. Oh, yeah. I love it. Like, I'm There's not, so you know. much opportunity here. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like it's like my buddy I told you about, Eddie Gibbs. Mm-hmm. The guy, um, so if you want to hear it, it's a... Yeah, it's about a, Grand Lake, right? It is a killer story. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Eddie Gibbs, I'm, uh, uh, I'll be 64 in November. Eddie will be 74 in November. Mm-hmm. And Eddie grew up on a dirt floor in Chicago, Oklahoma. I mean, with nothing. Yeah. Nothing, you know. Mom, uh, I think they were on, uh, you know, welfare and those kind of things. And Eddie went around and he would put like a, a, a tag on a piece of string on everybody's doorknob mm-hmm. and said, my name's Eddie Gibbs. This is where I live. If you need any trash thrown away or need your yard mode, can you, you know, let me know? And, and yeah. that's how, and he kind of supported his brothers and sisters and his mom. Mm-hmm. And so he started building fences. And so he, uh, he started this company called Ameristar Fence in Owasso. And uh, and he has a he, he has a patent. And one day, I was at Shangri La with him, and he sold his company for five hundred plus million to a uh, Asa Abloy out of Sweden. Mm-hmm. And so uh, so we're driving, looking at you know the golf course and stuff. And and Eddie goes, Hey John, you want you want you want me to show you I made a half a billion dollars? And I said, Yeah. So he walks up. We walk to a fence panel, and he invented. They, they would roll, so you got pickets in a fence, and then you have the top rail and the bottom rail, and then you got the big posts like that. Yeah. And then he would roll the top rail, and he would shear three sides of it, and then fold it down with the machine, and then tack weld it to the picket. And he patented that. Oh, wow. And then he ended up, you know, getting to Salesforce, and they, you know, when 9-11 hit, you know, they designed all the, mm-hmm. you know, security fencing that kind of arches over that you see around all the federal right. installations and stuff. And then he was uh, sending stuff, you know, to the Port of Catusa and yeah. put in Connex boxes, and it was going to Saudi Arabia and all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, he's a pretty amazing guy. Wow. You would never, ever, you know, know just by looking at him, but he's just a good dude. Yeah. And, uh, and then what he's done at Shangri-La, which I was telling you earlier, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a total gift to Oklahoma. And if you haven't been there, mm-hmm. you need to go there. I mean, it is like, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So over the top. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that guy, that's, and, and he's not done yet. I mean, we talked earlier, he's uh, gonna build a Tiger Woods Part Three. Yeah. And I just opened up a $14 million activity center that's open to the public. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's thankful pretty, that he likes cool. golf. <laughs> I'm thankful he likes golf. <laughs> well, he, he, you know, he, it's yeah. funny. He, he likes golf, but his shoulders are gone uh, from, you know, from digging fence posts like that, mm-hmm. you know, with a, with a post hole digger. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's so many stories like that. Ditch Witch, you know, mm-hmm. out of, uh, uh, where are they from, south of Stillwater. I mean, that, you know, yeah. just all these stories, boom pickings and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah it's a great place. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and like, I mean, like I said, you raised your family here. You know, you and your wife are still here. You got three kids, and like I said, nine and a half grandchildren. Yeah. Uh, tell me about kind of like uh, you know, obviously we're close to the BOK. Tulsa is more of a music town than, than Oklahoma City is. Um, I don't think people in Oklahoma City like that, but it, it's true. Uh, people seem to stay here. So let me tell you the story about the BOK Center. So I. Uh I went to the uh, CEO of Flintco one mm-hmm. day, and I brought a real expensive bottle of wine for him. And uh, I brought it, and I sat it on his desk. His name was Tom Maxwell. And, uh, and I, I, I said, hey, Tom, what is uh, uh, 100% of zero? He said, zero. And I said, uh, 
what is 50% of one? He said, 50%. I said, right. We need a joint venture and go after the BOK Center mm -hmm. because there was, were all kinds of huge construction companies, Turner and mm -hmm. um, uh, Austin Commercial out of Dallas, all these big companies, big mega arena, right. football stadium builders that were vying for it. I mean, we could have lost it. So we, we joint ventured on it. So. So we uh, so we ended up interviewing for it and we we got it and then uh, and then my brother Jim, his uh, his firm built you know arenas and mm -hmm. things like that and so um, they wanted to you know get involved and so I introduced them yeah. you know some, some people and and they said well who's the most you know connected architect in, in Tulsa and I said it's uh, Steve Alter with Matrix Architects. And he goes, where's their office? I said, just right up here. So I dropped them off, and they met each other, and then, boom, it was like they were off to the races. Yeah. And so then they had this star architect kind of thing, um, you know, where who, you know, anybody can kind of build an arena, but the way it looks and feels and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And so my brother knew Cesar Pelli because he did a, a big building with him. And uh, so he got Cesar Pelli on his team. Yeah. And then HOK Sport out of... Kansas City got a guy named Peter Eisenman on their team. And then uh, I guess Peter Eisenman, while they were competing and getting everything together, Peter Eisenman had a, uh, uh, a seminar or something, he was a guest speaker at, in New York University or something like that. And and they were talking about, you know, something kind of like what we're doing today. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were saying, you know, well, what, do you, what, what, are, what projects are you working on? He goes, oh, I got this project in Tulsa. They ought to just blow that place up. And the word got out. And yeah. so when they had the interview, you know, when Cesar Pelli and my brother's team did their interview and then HOK Sport had Peter Reisman did their interview, our uh, head county commissioner at the time, Bob Dick, who was a pretty, pretty damn good dude. Yeah. And, uh, and he goes, uh, Mr. Eisman, uh, tell me about why, why do you want to blow my city up? You know, I was born and raised here, and I plan on dying here, and, and we're trying to change this place. And, you know, he's like that. So anyway, <laughs> they, they ended up not getting it. Right. And, then, and then Peter uh, uh, Eisman was gone yeah. with them. And then Cesar Pelli is the reason why that arena looks like it, like it does. And so if you go to the Oklahoma City Arena, you know, it, it's like a lot of arenas. You go up up and up yeah. it's just it's flat right so that is built on a hill so it's split level so you go in and you go down to yeah. the to the to the to the uh, plane floor and then it's you know it's that uh, bowl feeling another yeah. a, a two more you know another level up like that mm -hmm. so it's kind of a split level so it's kind of a boutique looking deal and then he puts a sweeping glass on it and mm. you know it's it's in the stainless steel i mean it it's awesome. you know it's a it's a building that, you know, it's a timeless building. It'll be there forever. So, so we're, uh, you know, in these, in these rooms and kind of trying to decide, you know, with the, you know, some city councilors and the mayor and the arts directors and the architects and, you know, Cesar Pelli and the Flinko guys and I. And so what we decided to do mm -hmm. uh, was to make it a music venue that accommodated basketball. Right, and that's what it is. I mean, it is all about you know. Yeah, it's 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 a and it's a music venue. And I was telling you earlier, I mean, uh, you know, a lot of groups that come here just to practice, and we had Pink Floyd here for a whole summer staying at this hotel. Yeah, and they were getting ready for their world tour, and uh, you know, it was uh, you know people like to play there, and so you know we're close by. Mm -hmm. You know, we got a lot to offer here, and, and there's a you know a lot of stuff here. I mean, pretty much. Yeah. Every dead president stayed here. Elvis stayed here twice, and you know um, Michael Jackson stayed here um, yeah. when when it was Jackson Five, and James Brown, and you know it was just you right. know, Aretha Franklin. I mean, you just keep on going. Um, uh, so yeah, so they like to stay here, and uh, we've had every pretty much every famous group except for Adele and the Rolling Stones stay at this hotel. Yeah. And, and they come here because nobody bothers them. You know, everything's pretty chill. And, mm -hmm. you know, the, our employees, you know, they don't, they used you know, to they don't try now. to get yeah. you know, a guitar signed or anything right. like that. They just act like they're not here. And so that's, yeah. that's the cool thing about it. That's so awesome, isn't it? Well, what about your personal love of music? Kind of, what's your kind of go-to music that you listen to? And I mean, I'm sure you've had people come through here and you're like, man, I got to meet this person. 
No, I, I'm no? not quite like that. But I mean, I'm a diehard U2 fan. I used to rock climb, mm-hmm. you know, technical rock climbing. And, uh, you know, we in the 90s, and yeah. U2 was really hot back then. And, and uh, so, yeah, U2 stayed here for five days. And I got to meet Bono and yeah. took him to his room and spent some time with him and some of the other guys. And, and uh, that was like, that was, um, that was like meeting Elvis right. in my, you know, and I mean, my favorite song is Every Breaking Wave, man. I mean, that's just an unbelievable mm-hmm. song. So, but yeah, I mean, I listen to, you know, progressive country stuff, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Uh, you before we started recording, you mentioned that you were getting back into motocross stuff. Tell me about that. So I, I started racing motocross uh, when I was about eight. Yeah, and uh, raced all over the United States, California, Florida, Maryland, Texas, uh-huh. and Ohio, and stuff like that. And and uh, before I, I was about to go, go pro, and uh, you know I was telling you like before, said, yeah, I, went to university. I, you know, yeah. I, I never got hurt, and mm-hmm. you know I just, uh, you know, man, I. Uh, I decided to go ahead and go to college, and so mm-hmm. I went to Texas A&M and told you about that. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, when you're, you know, have a big job like I had at Manhattan Construction Company, and you know, wife and kids, and private mm-hmm. school, and you know, bills, 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 and you know, mortgage and all yeah. that kind of stuff, car payment, and you know, you can't, you can't not go to work, you know, and right. you, it's kind of hard to race on Sunday, you know, invariably you're going to get yeah. kind of hurt. So, so I quit racing. You know, and and, uh, and I, I quit racing for like 40 years, 35, maybe something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, I started collecting vintage motorcycles, motocross bikes. And uh, so I went to a, uh, a guy that I bought a bike from, from Houston, went to a race in Oltmogee. And uh, he goes, hey, do you want to come to this uh, vintage motocross race in Oltmogee? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, yeah, I don't have a bike or I don't have a helmet. He goes, oh, just, just come on down. So I drive down there, you know, and I got flip-flops and shorts and a T-shirt. And, yeah. and uh, he put me on a 1973 CZ Czechoslovakian 400 and, uh, and uh, barred his helmet, leathers, boots, and all this stuff. And I got third. You know, when you, it's kind of when you, right. when you still, you know, it's kind of hard to lose it if you, yeah. you know, relatively healthy and all that kind of stuff. And so the guy running the race... I didn't know him ever, and I, I can't believe I didn't know him, but he was the first United States two-time world motocross champion. His name is Trampus Barker. Okay. And he lived in Italy for 20 years, married an Italian lady, ended up getting divorced and had two sons with her. And he won two world championships, one in 1989 on a, on a KTM and one in 1991 on a mm-hmm. Honda T50. And uh, he's, like, he's like, you know, he's kind of like Bono in Italy. Right. He's really, really uh, famous. But he married... Uh, Troy Aikman's high school girlfriend oh. out of Henrietta, yeah. and her name's Sherry Parker. She's awesome. And uh, so anyway, I met him, and he was, he was putting on the race, and so I got to know him, and my family got to know him, and we were always doing stuff with mm-hmm. him, and, and I started racing with him, you know, and, and uh, so yeah, that's what I do, you know, yeah. and uh, I go to a lot of races. I race on a team with him, and we have this thing. Uh, we have a big national championship uh, every year in mm-hmm. uh, in Henrietta at Nichols Park. It's the first weekend of November, and last year we had about maybe almost 700 riders, maybe 1,000, 1,500 spectators, and uh, we have this thing called the Oki Challenge. So it's 150 years combined age. Okay. And you you ride you share a, a bike, and uh, it can either be a Honda XR200 mm-hmm. or a Yamaha 1983 Yamaha YZ100. So they're like evenly matched, not you know super right. fast, you know. So everybody's kind of like it's kind of like everybody's got a bicycle, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you can have a pro, an expert, or an intermediate, and uh, but but the combined age has to be 150 years. Right. Or more, or just just or more. Like, or more. But it yeah. can't be less than 150 right. years. Yeah. And we had uh, 29 teams from all over. That's amazing. Uh, I wouldn't say all over the world, but we had teams from Canada, yeah. and California, New York, Michigan, Florida, all that, Texas, yeah, yeah. and it's super damn competitive. And so, the uh, year before last, we won, and uh, this year, we got second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Trampas didn't really want to, you know, he told me, he goes, because uh, we were racing in a Honda XR200 when we won, mm-hmm. and we won pretty handily. And then he goes, I want to change to a Yamaha YZ100, which is a two-stroke, yeah. a little harder to ride. You know, I'm a little bigger, you know, than, 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 than you really need to be. And so, so we got second. But he, did, he doesn't yeah. want to win all the time. No, he wins. right, sure. He's still, Travis Parker's still 
the fastest 50-year-old in the world. I mean, yeah. he is unbelievably fast. Crazy. And he lives right here in Oklahoma. Yeah. You know, and I mean, the, the, the talent of motocross racers that we have in Oklahoma is just unbelievable. Right. You know, we got Trey Kennard lives here. He was an ex-Supercross champion. Mm -hmm. uh, Robbie Rayner was an ex-Supercross champion. Uh, we got Justin Bogle out of Muskogee. I think mm -hmm. he just got like third at Millville in Minnesota uh, yesterday mm -hmm. uh, in, the, in the 250 class. And then uh, we got Guy Cooper out of uh, Stillwater, who's yeah. like, he's almost as popular as, uh, yeah. as Travis Parker. And no one here outside of motocross knows, right? Like, unless you're in the, in the industry or, or you're in there, you love it, you follow it, you have no idea. Right. right? Yeah, I mean, and, and, uh, and we have a lot of motocross tracks in Oklahoma and yeah. a lot of them around Tulsa. Mm -hmm. But it's a great, I mean, motocross is like, if you're, you know, say you're a single mom and you have a son, Mm -hmm. You know, maybe, you know, it's a great, you know, great thing for, a, you know, maybe he's not like a teen sports player. Sure. It's perfect to get into motorcycle racing, kind of like golf, I guess. Yeah. That's not really, you know, it's individual team. sport. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and it's then, all down you know, to you. It's a great, you know, thing to share with your dad mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, you know, yeah. if you don't get hurt, that's the problem. It's, right. uh, is the modern motocross bikes now, uh, you know, the, the, there's probably only like 1% of every you know young kid in America yeah. that can even ride one, right? You know, and and but everybody's you know people are getting those things and and they get hurt like mm -hmm. the first day they're on the damn thing. You know, you get on a right. Honda 2021 Honda, you know, uh, 450, yeah, you know, works bike, and you think you can you know clear the double jumps and stuff like that, and trouble. You know, all you need is just happen one time, and you're yeah. you know you hurt your neck and your your life's mm -hmm. done. So. That's a little scary. That's why I kind of push vintage racing because it's uh, it's not that uh, the jumps aren't as extreme mm -hmm. and the bikes are older so they don't go as fast. The suspension isn't uh, you know as long travel as, as the new bikes. And so we're bringing a lot more young people into right. vintage motorcycle racing. And you know we'll have a vintage motocross race and you know sometimes some people get hurt, not very bad. Yeah. But sometimes nobody gets hurt. Right. You know, and you go to these, uh, you know, supercross races and these outdoor nationals. I mean, there's the ambulance is pretty damn busy, you know, during yeah. the day. So, but anyway, Oklahoma is, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a hotbed for, you know, motocross racing. Yeah. There's a lot of talented people here and a lot of people coming up. Right. Uh, last thing. Tell me about the t-shirt that you're wearing. Oh, that's my buddy. Yeah. So I can tell everybody. So you ever heard of Danny Boyle Connor? I have, yeah. I've been wanting to have him on the podcast. Yeah. Well, you know, Danny Boyle Connor was the front man for House of Pain. Which is the, one of the most timeless, greatest songs yeah. ever. That jump yeah. song. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I never yeah. even knew who the hell. I just Well, same. So I, I, I no saw idea. this yeah. big old tall guy walking from the garage, and I thought he was a you know, homeless guy or something like that. Yeah. And I was like, who the hell is that? I asked my daughter, and she goes, that's Danny Boyle Connor. I said, well, who the hell is Danny Boyle Connor? Yeah. Oh, he bought the Outsiders house. And I said, well, I remember I used to have to read that Outsiders book when I was in you know, middle school. Mm -hmm. And uh, so anyway, I got to meet him. Well, he lives here. At the hotel? Yeah, he lives here. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so he comes. He was at our last podcast. I had my sure. motorcycles all in the lobby and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was yeah, pretty yeah. damn cool called Moto Moto Live. But yeah, he lives here, and uh, he's a good dude. Yeah. And, uh, and he loves Tulsa. And so he has a museum there. And then he did a podcast with my Moto Moto Live guy about three weeks ago. Talked about his whole life story, you know, his yeah. coming from New York, living in Los Angeles and struggling with, you know, drugs yeah. and things like that and how he got through it all. And mm -hmm. so just a good guy. But he's cool. he's uh, he's promoting Tulsa uh, almost as hard as I am. Yeah, uh, probably harder. But yeah. he's a, he's a good dude and he lives here. And he likes motorcycles. That's awesome to have that connection and have him stay at the hotel. Oh yeah, right? like yeah. I mean, that's and and but, right. but I mean, he's gonna. I'm gonna get him to this, some of these motorcycle races. But he's so damn big. I mean, you probably <laughs> won't even see the motorcycle, you know. But we'll see how it goes. Yeah. But things are going good. Good. Uh, so for everyone listening, uh, they can go to the website, go to the go to the links, go to the social media pages, which I'll post in the description. You can check that out if you don't already know about this awesome hotel. Uh, do people come and look at the museum and stuff? How do how do people come and see the museum? So most of the time, uh, the museum is open. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff here. There I mean, a lot. Uh, yeah. we have a race riot exhibit here, mm -hmm. the original. Um, uh, newspaper the day after race riot, and that's the original. Um, 
uh, martial law poster mm -hmm. at the Race Ride Museum. They, they have a copy, but that's the original yeah. one. But I've donated that to the John Hope Franklin uh, Museum uh, through my buddy Julius Pegues. But there's quite a bit of that stuff yeah. here. But all this is original stuff, original signed stuff. Mm -hmm. So let me tell you one more thing that we did. So we have motorcycles in the in the uh, in the hotel, and then yeah. we have a, a motorcycle. It's the uh, only uh, free motorcycle museum open 24/7 to the public. It's in the glass box in my parking garage, and so people we have yeah. a bunch of uh, older like we have a, uh, a Steve McQueen. Uh, uh, Triumph Desert Sled and, mm. and all kinds of cool stuff. And then we have motorcycles uh, in the uh, coffee shop. And then my wife just gave me approval today to start hanging motorcycles from the ceiling uh -huh. of the coffee shop, provided yeah. they don't leak oil on it. <laughs> so I yeah. think I can probably hang. That'd be cool, man. That would be cool. Walk in there and see 10 motorcycles hang from the ceiling. That'd be awesome. You know, with, you know, and I've got a, a yeah. Tiran that's a British, I mean, it's super cool stuff. Yeah. So I had, a, I'll tell you one last thing. Mm -hmm. So two years ago, we had a uh, um, Super Hooligan Street Flat Track National Championship on my 10 acres downtown okay. with uh, all 1,200cc bikes. Uh, and we had, uh, you know, like Indians and Harley Davidsons and Ducatis, Triumphs and KTMs and stuff like that. And we had 3,500 people there. We had yeah. Ronnie Mack was there. He's, he's, pretty, right. he's pretty famous. Some of you have heard of him, but he's... he's uh, He's something else. Big time, yeah. Yeah, he's he's big time. But yeah, it was it was really cool. And uh, we had thirty five hundred people, one day yeah. deal. Uh, so that's that's called Mayo Moto Street Classics. So if you want to look that okay. up, there's a really cool video about that with the local uh, North Tulsa musician. And yeah, and so yeah, it's awesome to kind of kind of like like interweb your your kind of passions right you love motorcycles and you're like happy to have them at the hotel and like it's something that's been a part of your life since you've grown up right it's right. cool to really still have that there's a lot of people who grew up they did sports they for whatever reason they like i mean like you said you stepped away for so long because you had a family and you had priorities right. but it's really cool to still have it back and mm -hmm. kind of be in the position to to still love it especially the historic stuff and and have mm -hmm. a museum and and have it open to the public and kind of just give back to a city that you never grew up never like were born and raised in you, right. but you've fallen in love with right and so what, so we're, many what we're trying like to that. do and danny's a big part of it too i mean we're trying to bring the cool factor mm -hmm. You know, not that Tulsa's not cool, but I mean, there's, right. you know, there's the West Coast, you know, the whole California motorcycle scene is yeah. pretty cool, you yeah. know, and so that's what we brought with our male motor street classic. It was all a Cali deal, mm -hmm. and it was, it was, it, you see the video, man, yeah. it, was, it was like, it was pretty cool, but it was the opening of my museum. I have a, a big museum mm -hmm. over here at my 10 acres, and it's, uh, it's called the male motor museum. And I have, uh, my wife's not in here, so I can probably see this, but she kind of saw it the other day. She got kind of upset yeah. about it, but I have about 300 motorcycles over there. Yeah. And, uh, and I kind of slowed down, but, <laughs> but I, I buy those vintage uh, motorcycles and I have road race bikes and flat track bikes, motocross bikes, all that kind of stuff. And uh, it's an investment. It's like a 401k. Right. And uh, it's amazing how much these things are bringing. I mean, we had an auction at Meekum at, in, in Las Vegas yeah. uh, two months ago. And I, I got some bikes that I, I paid like $2,000 for. Mm -hmm. I mean, I got a CZ125. It sold for 14000 bucks. It looks just like the one I've got. Yeah. And I bought that maybe six years ago. So, yeah. you, know, it's, uh, you know, it's not like uh, impulse buy type right. stuff. I mean, it's a business thing. Yeah. But, you know, the longer they sit over there, you know, the, yeah. not all of them, but well, most of them, yeah, right. the more the, the prices go up. Plus, you know, they're cool. And, you know, yeah. so, but I used to be open to the public every Saturday and I got broken into a little over a year ago. Mm -hmm. So it kind of like, you know, let the steam out, you know, yeah. about it. But it takes a lot to have it all open. But, but you know, eventually I'll mm -hmm. have it open yeah. uh, to the public. And, and it's, we're right on Route 66 almost. And, right. And there's a lot of people that, you know, do the Route 66 thing and stop, yeah. you know, over here and look, look at the motorcycles. But mm -hmm. Well, and also, like, what Tulsa uh, and kind of, you know, like, um, Lieutenant Governor Pinnell's pushing, you know, with the whole Route 66 travel. And, and you know, you got Mary Beth over it doing with the, the right. Muffler Man and, and just that whole scene. Like, it's in, in you know, the passport that the Pinnell's put out. and. You're right. There's it, so many things coming together, and and you know why not make the museum part of it, right? There's a reason that it's you know the people are going to be coming through. People most of the oh, time yeah. ride Route 66 on motorcycles. That's right. 
Why not? You know, Paul McCartney, like eight years ago, maybe, mm-hmm. he uh, flew into Chicago and rented a Ford Bronco. Really? Like a vintage one. Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. how he rented it, but, and he drove Route 66. Yeah. He didn't stay at the hotel here, um, but, you know, when he was married to that one lady, they drove, you know, through right. here, or down Albuquerque, you know, I-40 yeah, yeah. and that kind of stuff, so. It's cool. But, you know, I mean, since the, you know, now, I mean, people are cooped up, and now everybody's, I mean, they're traveling, and yeah. there's a lot of cool stuff to see. You know, Route 66 used to go, you know, it was basically 11th Street, you know, sure. 66 went down 11th Street, but before that, it came in over here at the Blue Dome. Okay. And it came in and it turned up on Elgin, and then it came all the way up and it took a right on 6th Street. So it kind of came right almost sure. in front of the mail, and then it dog-legged and went across the bridge. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. A lot of nostalgia here, man. It, uh, there's so much to talk about, so much to take in. Uh, and I know we didn't get into everything, but I really appreciate you taking the time to share some stories. Um, really appreciate your love for this this city and, and this state and Grand Lake as well. And, and just kind of the people that, you know, you've met here and clearly you, you've, you've bonded with a lot of them. Uh, and, you know, just all the people that fell in place to, to get the grants, right? And to just to make things happen mm-hmm. and the willingness to make things happen collectively, and when you get people like that in the room, it's intoxicating, isn't it? And it, like, why, why not? Why can't we do this, right? You get that mentality of, with enough hard work, and we can make mm-hmm. things happen. That's uh, right. And it's and, really cool to see that. And I coach a lot of young entrepreneurs like yourself too, mm-hmm. you know. And they kind of ask me, you know, how'd you do it? And and I, I mean, I don't have any secrets, you know. Yeah. You know, just kind of tell them how to put it together. But you know, I tell everybody. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, these young guys come to me and they go, oh, I'm going to go buy a, a big house or something. I said, well. Why don't you go buy an old warehouse in, in, you know, in some little podunk town in Oklahoma? Yeah. I mean, we bought that Triangle building in Pahuska hmm. 16 years ago for 13 bucks. It's You're a five-story. Yeah, no kidding. I, I swear. Wow, yeah. They were going to tear it down. You yeah. know? And, uh, and so now it's a, you know, it's a 20-room boutique hotel, yeah. and it's full every night. Yeah. I mean, not, I like even like tonight, it's probably got 19 rooms, you know, right. but consistently 20 rooms, 20 rooms. And then, you know, Reed Drummond opened across the street, oh, yeah. you know, and then uh, after we owned it, and I knew Reed, you know, before she, any, you know, before yeah. she was kind of Reed Drummond, you know, right. and then she opened her mercantile and, you know, that place was dead, man. I yeah. mean, dead, yeah. dead, dead, dead. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, it's unbelievable. Right. And then you got the movie thing going on. I mean, let me tell you, I think it's. You know, it, it's kind of coming together. And, and like you said, Matt Pinnell, he's a, he's a go-getter. And mm-hmm. he's got some good ideas, and he's bringing that cool factor in. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I interviewed someone actually called Old West Buffalo uh, that moved from Colorado. They had a buffalo herd in Colorado, and they moved to Pawhuska to start the, to continue building their herd because their whole thing is talking about the buffalo and where it started and it pretty much started in Port Husker and around that area so mm-hmm. he was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago um, telling me the whole story and, and they didn't even realize they accidentally drove through Port Husker and realized they didn't realize where they were and they're like this place is perfect and then they see a for sale sign oh, yeah. and buy 100 acres like it's and they were yeah. from Colorado originally so there's so many stories like that yeah right? and then, I mean what they'll probably do I don't know this for sure but I would think they are um, my, my artist in residence guy, mm-hmm. Morgan, I got him a job and he's, he's over there working for Apple Studios doing all their you yeah. know, street signs and all the interior you know, right. background stuff and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, they're probably going to leave that whole movie set there you know, when they get finished. Yeah, why not, right? And then, and then now it's going to be kind of like going to Hollywood. Yeah. Sort of, you know, you're just going to take all that twist. mud out the way of Main Street and <laughs> take all that away. Yeah, right? they definitely <laughs> take that crazy. out. But, but you know, if you have, have you read that book, Killers of Flowers? I need to. I'm going to read it. Before I read watch that the book, movie. Man. Yeah. I mean, three quarters of it is really good. The last yeah. part about the FBI. Yeah. You know, but it's basically the history of Oklahoma, and there yeah. were some bad dudes, man. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, this is basically where they warehoused everybody that they didn't want, you know? Right. And man, it's just unbelievable the bad stuff that mm-hmm. they did. But so it's, it's a it's a good book. Yeah, we're lucky to to have it going on. Definitely. Well, mate, thank you so much for, for sharing. Uh, like I said, I love what you've done here, and I love what you, Macy, and and the family continue to do here. And obviously, the amount of effort that you put into making you know Tulsa cool or continuing to make Tulsa cool and make it cooler uh, I'm sure everyone else really appreciates it too so okay well let, let me do a little shout out so I don't get do in it. trouble yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah so my other daughter Shelby uh-huh. uh, handles all of our apartments and then my middle daughter Counter has four kids and then she helps us yeah. uh, 
uh, with with everything too. So it's my my Whole wife family. Tori, yeah. my oldest daughter Macy, Kellner, Shelby. Awesome. Thank you so much, okay. man. I really appreciate it. For everyone listening, I'll post the links that we mentioned down in the description and come check out the Mayo, check out the museum and check out the bike museum too when it's open. Uh, we'll catch you next episode. Cheers. This podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at Oklahoma HOF. Always be on the know and on the go with RCB Bank's free text banking tool. With text banking, you can be alerted via text on every transaction 24 hours per day. Text banking with RCB Bank allows you to check your balances and transfer money anytime, anywhere. Text banking is quick, easy, safe, and customizable. Standard carrier fees for data and text and other transfer restrictions may apply. Funds may not settle immediately. RCB Bank, that's my bank. Member FDIC. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.